Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast more out of touch than an old rich guy pretending to swing a golf club instead of doing his job. My name is Nate Heininger, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben. Hello. Do you, I, I don't do you, uh, No, I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. There was a picture of uh, Rob Manfred. Oh. Yes, like practice swinging in uh, in uh, in Jupiter, Florida. In somewhere, Jupiter, yes. yeah, like there's negotiations happening inside, and he's just outside. Like you golf, does that help? Just like standing out in the middle of nowhere, pretending to swing a golf club. No, the only time you're doing that is to show somebody else. Like, look at look at this swing. Look at look at my hips come <laughs> through the zone here. So I'm guessing that there's somebody off camera or he's just a, I mean, he's an idiot, right? So he's, he could just be like, oh, well, I got nothing else on my mind. I guess I'll swing around. Yeah. Also, I'd like to point out that that was like, what, a couple hours before he laughed on MLB TV about how there's not going to be a uh, uh, a CBA, or uh, they're going to lock up the CBA this week. Anyways. Anyway, so uh, on this week's episode... We're going to talk about the uh, negotiations a little bit, but more about the upcoming changes to the game of baseball that have already been agreed upon. We're going to talk about um, some of our expectations and um, uh, and hope for some of the young players uh, coming into the Cardinals in 2022. We're going to talk about uh, best case scenario for 2022 and worst case scenario for uh, the 2022 season. Well, I think we can both agree uh, Rob Manfred is uh, a moron. So, um, Do you think Rob sucks more at golf or at his job? <laughs> I feel like he's bad at, at both, you know. I bet he's bad at golfing. He's probably one of those guys that, like, you know, everyone, they, they see – they get to the course and then the, he hits and they're like, why don't we do best ball, you <laughs> know, and, and, like, everyone just kind of carries him around. Um are you curious to know what Rob Manfred's uh, yearly salary is? Uh, uh, this is just going to make me mad. <laughs> it is. I just what looked it, it up because I was curious. $11 million a year. Jesus. Okay. 11. Cool. Good for that guy, I guess. I guess. Um, yeah. So we mentioned last week that we really didn't want to talk much about the negotiations. Uh, but I think we also both kind of thought it'd be done uh, when we were recording. We are we are recording uh, Wednesday, March 9th right now. So uh, in this very moment, everyone is being very despondent because of the international signing, uh, international draft piece that was thrown in at the last minute, it feels like. Um, so by the time you're listening to this, we'll probably have moved on to some new crisis. But that's where we are right now. Uh, it has been a frustrating, to say the least, um, uh, situation and I've had at least two nights now of being up very late I uh, just watching old white dudes walk from <laughs> one clubhouse to another like it's news um, I, I and, appreciate uh, Jeff Basson saying that okay you can go to bed now tweet that is helpful yeah. for people like yeah. us yes it is um, but uh, you know we're, we're still not going to talk too much about the actual negotiations. I think everyone is pretty deep on it, and I don't think that you and I have 
too much more to offer, but Ben, you know, what are you feeling right now? What are your thoughts? Anything before we get past this and, and talk about some actual substantive stuff, like what are your, what are you feeling? Yeah, I think like my general feeling is that I'm very happy that the players are able to stick together in the way that they are. Um, there was, and maybe we talked about this last week, maybe not, but something that I was reading that I found interesting is that the MLBPA uh, PA has a massive fund that they can give folks that are on the 40 man roster who aren't making money right now. Like the folks that are making minimum salary, which obviously is a lot. I think they're looking at giving those people 15 grand a month, which is, you know, more than livable. Um, yeah. I, I would think, uh, I could live on that. Uh, so <laughs> give me that deal. Please. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I I think seeing their resolve is really encouraging. I think it's really frustrating. But I do think that if we want to avoid something like this, like an even further lockout or or the trenches getting deeper, that the players really, really need to win. Um, So I guess that's my kind of general stance on it. Um, That being said, like, let's go. Yeah. Uh, Um, Like I said, the players resolve has been great. And I think another thing, like, how the players have, I think the players have done a really good job at communicating through social media, what they're interested in, what their stance is. And every time the MLB has lied or misled either journalists on purpose, or if Bob Nightingale is just like acting as Rob Manfred's little puppet, I don't know what's going on specifically. Uh, But I, I think that they've come out every time and address those with like, really like Tony Clark has, yeah, I, I kind of thought of him as a bit of a dullard, and I think he's coming out very smart during these negotiations, at least in the way that he's addressing the fans um, and making their points like super, super clear. Even though the MLB network might not be showing that, you can go find that on the internet after the fact if you're interested. But uh, yeah, I guess that's my kind of overarching thoughts. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I saw a, a poll online the other day that said two to one fans are blaming the owners over the players. Uh, I still think that is uh, too high as far as blaming the players, but you know, it's still, it's good that it's, uh, you know, way more than a majority of people understand that it's the owners. And I do think you're right. It's between just players being, uh, you know, good online members now. And also people like Passan who are really doing a great job of explaining to everyone what's going on and why this is the owner's fault. Uh, and the owners are also, uh, they just can't get out of their own way. I mean, they're all, you know, uh, devoid of human souls. So I don't expect them to, uh, you know, necessarily be the most cogent, most thoughtful people, but, uh, uh, I think the best example of of their um, lack of understanding and and really empathy for the situation uh, is showcased by the announcement of the Apple TV deal uh, that came out um, while they're know, at the negotiating table. Wh- and and their whole point, their whole point, this entire time has been baseball is not as profitable mm-hmm. as you all think it is. We could have put our money somewhere else. And we would be making a lot more money, but we, out of the goodness of our hearts, have chosen to own baseball teams. And it's costing us money, even though uh, we can check the receipts uh, as much as we want to. The Braves are owned by a publicly owned company. We know 2019 was one of the most prof- was the most profitable year in Braves history. And it's hard to imagine that that's not the case for every single team, except for maybe like, I don't know, the Pirates or something. But like the game is more profitable than it's ever been. Uh, there's 
no, there's a ton of data out there to show how, how profitable this has been and how more profitable it has been than other similar investments. So easy to prove them wrong. And if you didn't need any more evidence, uh, too bad because they announced a deal with the most profitable company in the universe, Apple, in the middle of trying to convince everyone that they are not making any money. Those sorts of deals are exactly what the owners make their money off of. That money is going straight to the business, to the owners. And uh, yeah, you'd think, I don't know, if I was uh, a part of the negotiating team of the MLB, I'd say, hey, Apple, give us a minute. Let's wait a little bit before you announce uh, this new deal that is definitely giving us millions of, you yeah. know, probably hundreds of millions of more dollars just going straight into our pocket. Let's hold on to that one I, for a moment. I think that speaks more to the power of Apple, though. Apple's telling these 30 billionaires, yeah, we don't really care about your little scrape. We're a multi-trillion-dollar business at this time. We're announcing our thing when we want <laughs> to announce it. I, I, I do think that's crazy. And then on the other side, like, I'm kind of bummed about the Apple deal. Um I like that there are no issues as far as like there's no blackout restrictions. Like if the Rockies and Cardinals are playing here, I can watch that game on Apple TV. But do I, yeah. do I, do I want to be how many streaming service? So Eric, I'll, I'll get off this really quickly. But uh, something that drives me nuts is that I pay for an MLB.TV subscription. I have cable because I'm a sucker and I like to watch Rockies games. That's my own problem. I, I could cut that cord. Uh, there's these stupid YouTube games. There's these stupid Facebook games. And now I have to have Apple TV plus if I want to watch mm -hmm. every MLB game, uh, not to mention the ESPN on the cable package. Like I, I understand that MLB, they don't really care. They're just opening up their revenue streams. I understand why Apple would do it. But if we're trying to grow the great game, this just makes it more difficult to watch the games that you want to watch. I guess like Unless you're no, a massive no. Ted Lasso, Lasso fan or something. Is he on Apple TV? I don't watch yes. Apple TV. No, no, Ben. You misunderstand. The game is about 15 minutes too long. And if we just solve that, then everyone will come flocking to baseball. It's not that uh, the games are inaccessible to uh, most of our generation and uh, are are difficult to find where they're available. Definitely not that. It's it's right. it's the uh, it's the pace of play. Um <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's frustrating. I mean, I, I do – the Apple TV one to me is a little bit different than I think some of the other streaming ones because I think Apple and I, – I think they're being smart about it where it's a dedicated time and it's a um, – it's like an event. It's a double header. And so there can be some like branding around it where sure. almost like Sunday night baseball is. You know there's going to be one game. And it's probably going to be between two teams that are relevant, you know, and, and there's something exciting about it. Uh, I'm just, I, I think that that could be good and interesting. And there are so many games like highlighting individual nights, having a night be an event, I think is, is cool. Um, but if it becomes, Oh, there's the Thursday morning uh, triple header on TBS and the yeah. Tuesday afternoon Rochambeau with, uh, <laughs> you know, with I don't know, the New York Yankees. Like, yeah. you know, it's all it, you see this spiraling more than it already is. And I do think that that could be a problem. This one in isolation, I see the, vi the uh, value of it. But, yeah, it's it's a perpetuation of an access problem. I yes. don't have cable. 
I pay a service to make my computer think it's in another part of the world so that I can watch through MLB TV, uh, watch Cardinal games. I would happily ca- cancel that service um, and uh, and pay MLB TV more than I pay for the uh, the service that I pay to bypass MLB's blackout. Now I know that there this is something that is it's a complicated contract situation that goes back a long time. And my understanding is that they have been slowly trying to uh, like unpack that and, and move it to where games are not going to be as, as many blackouts, but um, it's kind of too late right now for most people. Uh, it's it's, I think that is by far the biggest problem. And of course the owners are blinded to it. Because that's their biggest revenue stream is right. TV deals, so it's a it's complicated. Yeah, I think uh, you know, and uh, for the listeners, you might be able to hear Jeff, my cat, in the background. Sorry <laughs> about that. Uh, Jeff is weighing in on that. He's an Apple fanboy, named after Jeff Bagwell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. Uh, Jeff Tweedy actually. Wilco, shout out Wilco. I'm sure uh, Jeff they need is the, listening. They need the shout out. Um, I just totally lost. Oh, oh, I, I, I think I'll be, uh, I'll be very curious to see what the schedule looks like because, like, the YouTube games are like we, we have a uh, eleven a.m. game against you know the Brewers and the Pirates, uh, and it's two bullpen starts. So yeah. I'll, I, I will be curious if it is like you're saying, like the Sunday night. Yeah, they, you know, ESPN puts a lot of money behind that. It's usually good matchups. It's usually good pitchers. It, it kind of they tend to work that out well. If uh, if the same thing exists on Apple TV, maybe I'll, I'll even be convinced a little bit more to to enjoy it. Um, but I am a, a sucker that will likely be paying for that either way because I'll be wanting to watch those games. Yeah. Well, Apple, you know, that's generally their thing is if they're going to do something like that, it's probably going to be flashy as hell. Right. So that's where I think like this one, it could be good. It could be cool. But I do think you're right. It's it's. Um, uh, you know, a symptom of the broader access problem that I think baseball has. But yeah. anyway, let's move on. Um, uh, we're 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 going to continue to not get too deep into the nitty gritty of the negotiations. Uh, we're on the player side, and and we do as much as it sucks. We appreciate the players digging in and looking for real positive change for themselves and for future players. Uh, but there are some things that have come out that I think are interesting to talk about, which is uh, there are some rule changes that, while not technically uh, you know, signed into agreement, reporting uh, is telling us that these are, are happening or, or are very likely happening either in the 2022 season or 2023 and beyond. And I thought it'd be um, good to just run through these a little bit, get your take on them. I think some of them are interesting. Some of them are good. Some of them are less good. Uh, I'll do the, the first one. This is the bigger one. Um, it's actually, I, this has been a long time coming, but I just, we got to start with it. Uh, the DH is in the NL. Um, ben, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm a born and raised NL person. Um, I love the NL game. I like that a manager or a team has to make decisions at pivotal moments in the game. Um, I think it's an interesting decision to say this person or this pitcher is at, you know, yada, yada pitches. They are pitching well. They are at a time in the lineup that makes sense for them. But there's an offensive opportunity here. What is the choice that I make? Um, I think that that's interesting. And I like managing along with the managers to do that. 
Um, I don't yep. think I know that the big argument against DHs is that or uh, or for DHs is that I don't want to watch a pitcher hit. Um, and, and I don't find that to be as big of a drain as it is. I think it again, it is another managing um, opportunity uh, for for the manager. It's another decision point. And I think decision points are fun for people who are invested in the game like I think you and I are. Yeah. Um, that being said, I've kind of resigned to the fact that it's happening. Um, and I've kind of switched, you know, okay, let's see how this can benefit the Cardinals. What makes it interesting for our team? That being said, I, I do think it makes baseball just less entertaining overall. Um, like I said, and it's strictly because of the decision point. Like the fact that you can you can push a pitcher just to see, you know, to get another inning. And it doesn't really matter because you're not really wasting an at-bat. You're not really, you know, there's nothing really on the line. You can pull uh, the starter whenever you want. Now, obviously, the, the three batter minimum comes into play after that. But I, I just think it takes, yeah, like simply said, I think it takes away an interesting decision point. Um, but again, not surprised. It, you know, it obviously makes sense that the MLB's on board with it, and probably even more that the MLBPA's, you know, uh, interested in it. You're, you, you think of aging players; they're trying to get aging players paid. This is this is a way to open up 15 more aging player jobs. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I've thought about it a lot over the years, and I think like. I, I think I also prefer NL baseball. Um, but one thing that always stuck out to me is I've some people like this, but I've always found it very strange that the two leagues have different rule sets. And I've always been more of a fan or, or in favor of just pick one and let's get all the league on the same rule set so that everyone is playing on the same playing field. And there isn't like the, the AL teams have this ability to rotate their players around in a different way than NL players do. Um, team like uh, uh, players have been more likely to sign with AL teams because of that option for the DH. I've always found it strange. So to me, it's been, I, I think it should be the same and I would prefer it be the uh, NL style, but I, honestly, I'm fine with either way. And I agree with you that I think the decision points are interesting. That said, I think, you know, 95% of the time you're just going by the book. Every once in a while, it's very interesting. But for the most part, it's not. Uh, but more interesting to me and why I ultimately do like the DH is that I'm a fan of seeing young players get a shot. And while we tend to equate the old the DH with, like, old fat dudes who just hit dingers, um, you know, that's not really what most teams are using the DH for. It's more to um, rotate guys around, get more ABs for guys who wouldn't normally get them. Uh, and that is interesting to me. I mean, I think, you know, we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but the DH is going to open up uh, 650 at-bats to sure. uh, some players that likely would have been completely blocked on this on the Cardinals this year. Uh, and, and that, to me, is, is the bigger boon to it than, um, like, the – that outweighs the loss of the strategy. And I will forever be sad when uh, Wainwright tore his Achilles in an at-bat. You know, I know that's an isolated incident, but like pitchers get hurt swinging the bat all the time and they are swinging the bat injuries, you know, and that just feels bad because it's like, was that worth your 150 batting average? You know, so. Uh, yeah, I, I understand. I don't like that point because I get it, but like, 
Yeah. You should, if you're in the National League, you should be able to play the National League game. And if yeah. you are swinging a bat and getting injured at it, you need to spend more time doing that. I find that, I, I just don't like that excuse. And to go back on a point that you said earlier, like it, it should all be the same. It should be a universal thing. That's one of the things I like about baseball is that the outfield walls, there's no regulation yeah. around that. Height, distance, that kind of thing. There are eccentricities to each team's ballpark. Um, and I don't think it's, you know, I, I think part of the interesting thing about baseball is that, and this, I know this is a different subject, but, you know, uh, Minute Maid is going to play different than Bush and Bush is going to yeah. play different than Fenway and so on and so forth. And I think of like baseball operates well within that. And I think that the DH thing is an, another interesting part of it. Um, and, and to the point you made, you know, they play it by the book. Yes, they do, but it's still a decision point and it's still yeah. something that you have to go do. And it's still a point that, you know, dummies like you and I or people on Twitter or whatever can say, Ooh, should he have done that? It didn't go yeah. that well. Jordan Hicks just threw a ball into the stands, even though that that was probably the optimal move. It's just another thing to talk about. Um, so and but, you but, and I are usually can't find enough to talk about. So, yeah, uh, that is a you know, we, we, we do need, we do need these, um, these moments, but I get it. I really do. <laughs> yeah. So this is Expect- an age old conversation, you yeah. know, but yeah. it, it's I'll, done I'll now. It, yeah, it is, you know, it's yep. done now, but, um, I'm, I'm excited to, to watch the Cardinals DH do well this year. Yeah. I wanted to give you one last, you know, dying, uh, breath for uh, you know. I will always be ep- happy to make my point on this for for the yeah, end of the time. Yeah. yeah, one last epitaph for the for the <laughs> for the uh, NL pitcher at bat. Um, so uh, that one we've known about for a little while, and it was obvious. You know, it was inevitable. Um, yeah. Honestly, surprised it made it this long. Um, but some newer, some other changes are coming up. Um, uh, one that I was pretty surprised by uh, is the. Uh, slightly larger bags. Uh, I like this one. Yeah, they're increasing the size of the bags by about six inches, um, and it, it's essentially going to reduce the distance between the bags yeah. uh, from 60 feet to 59 and a half feet. And, um, you know, the intent is to increase offense and increase base dealing. Um, this feels like something that is, is, on paper is a minor adjustment, um, but I feel like over time, this is actually going to have a pretty significant change. You know, the baseball Absolutely, is yeah. literally referred to as a game of inches, yep. and we are now re- removing six inches uh, from that equation. And think about how many, uh, you know, plays at the at the plate, mm-hmm. uh, at the bag or whatever, come down to that, uh, you know, replay. Like it's all getting a little bit easier for the runner to beat the uh, to beat the throw. Um, so, uh, they, they did this in AAA in, last year, uh, and they saw an increase in stolen bags. And, um, I, I didn't see any numbers about actual like batting average, which is what I would expect to go up from a change like this. Um, but I do expect that over a long enough time, we will see a sort of, you know, if you were looking at a graph of league batting average, I expect that, you know, this season will begin the an increase in, in the league average batting average, uh, which this was a surprise to me. What, what, what were your thoughts on this? Yeah, I I'm super behind it. I think it's a nice, simple, elegant change to the game that adds value for the fans and, and things that we want to see. I think like, it's a very easy argument to say that stolen bases and, uh, extra base hits are more, one of the more exciting plays that happen in baseball. 
Um, for me in particular, I love watching, and it's something like Bryce Harper did a lot when he was coming up. Tyler O'Neill does it a little bit, but turning a obvious single into a double or stretching a double into a triple or maybe even all the way around the bases like this makes that that much easier six inches easier but still think of how close some of those plays are I think really the boon is going to be in the stolen base numbers um and I I don't think there's you know rare not many plays are more fun than a stolen base for me not to mention, you know, looking through the Cardinals lens, there's a ton of speed on this team right now. So, yeah. you know, may, maybe the Cardinals uh, are, are in, you know, top five, top ten stolen bases this year. So I'm all for it. I, I think it's great. It changes the game. It's it's a nice, subtle change that it does. It's not going to feel like you're watching something different. You're not limiting players actions. You're just, you know, expanding something a little bit. And I'm, I'm all for it. I actually yeah. think I would even be for uh, – I can't remember what league. There's a professional league in the world that does this, but they have uh, first base and then a runner's first base so that they can run through first base cleanly. Um, I, I'm for changing the bases. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, that that one's more of a safety thing, but uh, why not? Like, I, Pile I them up. Double the size. We're talking <laughs> sofa cushion bags out there. Yeah. The whole field is a base, and you're standing on not bases. The floor is lava. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm still a little torn on it. This one is like, uh, but it's the gay. You don't change the, you know, 60 feet. That's the game, you know, right. but, um, but yeah, but back in the sixties, you didn't have 30 catchers that could throw 95 from their knees. So, yeah, the, you I, know, as it changed, I think, I think this is a smart adjustment. I like it. It's like lowering the mound, you know, yeah. it, which has happened. And, you know, that, that is it. That is a point in the game that people talk about the difference between, you know, pre lowering the mound and, and past. And I, I could see this being one of those that is like, well, the bags were changed or, or maybe I'm overstating what six inches uh, would what do. If, but what if Acuna steals, you know, 70 bags this year? Uh, yeah. Like how exciting will that be to watch? We haven't had somebody do that since like what Ricky Henderson. Um, yeah. Or I'm sure it's it's probably D Gordon or something like that closer to then, but uh, yeah. how much fun is that to watch? I, I I'm all about it. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not gonna. Uh, in general, I'm I'm ready for like adjustments and things like that. So this one was a little surprising to me. I still am not like hell yeah as you are, but I'm also not really against it. So um, another one. This one I I think is is pretty minor really. Um, but the pitch clock. Um, I think I saw it's going down to like 14 seconds if there's no one on base and should have done better research, but maybe it's like 19 or 21 seconds or something like that. If there's, if there's someone on base, um, you know, I think that's to me, that's fine. Um, you know, I'm wondering, are they actually going to enforce it or not? Cause we've seen different pitch clocks and different things like that going on that kind of everyone, you know, it doesn't really get talked about too much, um, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on the on the pitch clock? Yeah, I, I would definitely need to know more about how it's like being executed specifically. But I think that is a huge opportunity for baseball to speed up um, the game. I, I think that you know this is going to affect all pitchers somewhat, and you know maybe more subtly than than they might think it is. But I think it will. You know, it'll do a, a bunch of things. I think it'll speed up the game by the mere fact of you are supposed to throw it in a certain amount of time rather than waiting however long you want which is essentially what's happened 
Um, and I also think like if giving the pitchers less time, maybe they're executing their pitches slightly worse and maybe we get a little more offense. Like I think that's not a reasonable assumption or like a reasonable outcome for this kind of change. Um, now I, you know, if, if pitchers are being rushed, like I, I, we'll have to see how it plays out. I don't want to watch bad baseball, but right. if Max Scherzer wants an extra five seconds to think about what he's going to do, doesn't have that and grooves a pitch and somebody smacks it. I'm here for that. Let's watch that. You know, we, we need more balls in play and, and all that stuff. So yeah, makes sense to me. Yeah. I, also I, like it is just, especially when you're there in person, how un- like it just takes the wind out of the fans when somebody's taking 40 seconds in between pitches. Yeah, that I agree on. And there are some pitchers that are excessive about it. Um, and you can tell the difference between a game when a pitcher is one of those guys who just grab it and throw it and it, it feels good. There's a pace to the game that I think is, is very nice. And I, and I understand that, that that's what uh, they're going for in doing this is making every game uh, feel that way. Um, you know, I, I, I wish that like, I'm wondering if maybe they'll end up being a system where pitchers have like a certain amount of times that they can like, you know, take a step off or, or like miss that pitch count because there's also something to the drama at times right? when, you know, it's full count, bases load, whatever. And you know, you can tell that pitcher is like, it's, it's all, all in their head right now, you know, and, and there's a drama and a suspense to the lead up before each pitch. And I do like that. And I think that's a very, you know, unique part of baseball. I'm a fan of pitching. It's one of my favorite things to watch in baseball is watching pitching. And so some of these changes are all like, well, how can we make pitching less effective? How can we make them more likely to screw up? You know, and that is a little counter to one of my favorite parts of the game. But I I Uh, get it. I I like batting and I like uh, pitching. Well, I I like catching – the sweet crack of the bat. I love. All. <laughs> I just sorry. I had you're like. I like one of the largest aspects well, of the game. That's just I, me. Maybe it's me. I, I like a curveball. I like a fastball. Hey, uh, give me a slurve. I love a splitter. Um, Let, wait till you hear about a cutter. It, it's kind of like a fastball, but it's kind of like a. Slider. I'm not. I'm not ready. I'm not ready for this. I know. But I. I think that you know a lot of people <laughs> like hitting. All they want to see is hitting and pitching. Sure. is just a me is a means towards hitting, right? Whereas I, I'm really interested in pitching mechanics and like I think the um, uh, well, just executing what the, what they do is is fascinating to me. I I think the problem that they think that they are fixing or addressing or whatever is that pitchers have the upper hand right now. Um, which I think is like, it's kind of inarguable, right? Like I think pitchers are better than hitters currently. Um, so, and I think they're just trying to even that playing field a little bit that that's all I view it as. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think the league is catching up now. Uh, we've seen some, you know, insane offensive performances over the last few years that like, uh, I don't, I think you're right, especially in the early 2010s and whatnot, when like, you know, Kershaw was really in his prime, it it definitely felt like. Uh, with like Kershaw and Verlander and those guys, it was just like they are they have reached a new level in the sport that hitting is not really up to, except for Mike Trout. Um, and but I do think the league has been adjusting. People uh, are growing up with the heat that mm-hmm. uh, you know these guys are able to throw now, and it's it's adjusting. Uh, but that actually leads us to our next to the next big change that I wanted to talk about, um, which is the the shift. Now we don't know what this is going to look like, so. You know, there's only so much I think I'm we can pissed say right already, now. Nate. <laughs> but there Either are way. 
there's going to be some restrictions to shifts coming. Uh, well, the floor is yours, my friend. What is uh, what's your I, what's your problem here? I don't like MLB telling a manager how to defend the team or, or telling players how to de- defend a particular batter. I think that if you want to make the gamble and you want to put all eight guys on one side of the field, you're allowed to make that gamble, and it's up for the hitter to change it. I, I do like it. It's Matt Carpenter's fault. It's not the Reds fault for changing the way they defend him. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. You should be able to defend. I, I think however you want, you, you know, you have your guys on the field, line them up. However, if you want to run a four man outfield, that's great. If you want to run a five man infield, that's great. If you want to have a guy just kind of hanging out with Paul Goldschmidt, just so they can talk, you should be allowed to do that. Um, I have, so I, I don't like dictating how managers are, are managing, um, especially when they have this bank of information to tell them, we know for sure this is the right way to defend this guy. And you're saying, I can't do that because why? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, the counter argument to that is that pitching has gotten so good that for some uh, styles of hitting and in particularly like left-handed hitters, uh, pulling the ball is really your only way to be successful in the league and uh and with the shift it it really reduces you to either hit it over the wall or you or strike out you know and i i guess the intent would be i give those guys just a few more lanes where the ball can land so that uh you know to increase offense um but i i'm i'm of the same mind as you Uh, i'd rather just see the league continue to evolve and pitchers can or hitters continue to evolve and maybe catch up to it. Um, it, it feels weird. I'm assuming that this is going to be minimal. I really don't think it will be something that is like, you know, every player now has like, like a, uh, like a football, you know, offensive line or defensive line or whatever, where everyone has like a designated zone that they can't right. exit. I, I'm going to guess it's going to be way more nuanced and minimal but uh, I could be over <laughs> my expectations for how the MLB will do yeah. anything could be too high. Uh, but I think my... there's there's enough counter arguments to the shift out there that I don't think it's going to be like a like the shift is dead, you know, because yeah. shifting has been a part of baseball forever. You know, it's more pronounced now, but that's arguably again because of pitching being more uh, effective than ever. Right. My my guess, you know, looking through my crystal ball, is that it's going to be something like the Shortstop and third baseman have to say uh, stay on the left side of second base, and the uh, first baseman and the second baseman have to stay on the right side of second base, and that's yeah. going to be the. I, I hope that that's all they limit it to, and essentially like the shortstop could line up behind second base, and that is the line, and you know to some umpire's discretion or, or th- there's some point you know that you're cheating, but it's all like, I, I, I would much rather just see the game kind of make adjustments there's always this you know meta or whatever it's and players are going to uh something is going to be really overpowered and and successful in the beginning and then it'll taper off as people start to adjust around that and then something else will come up and then those pull hitters will come back and it'll make adjustments and be fluid um but yeah i don't i i don't know that yeah I'll, i'll drop it there yeah, I, I hear you. Okay, well, let's move on. The only other thing that I wanted to talk about is that, uh, you know, the, there's some playoff changes possibly coming, and uh, 
there's there's been a big discussion about the in- introduction of ghost winds, and I and I'm sitting here thinking, Ben, we've got we've got ghost winds, we've got ghost runners. <laughs> yeah, I'm what getting else? a little worried. Baseball's yeah. getting spooky. Too many ghosts. Yeah. Too many ghosts. <laughs> Add in October baseball. That's spooky in and of itself. I've been to a Halloween party and watched a playoff game at the same time. Baseball's getting too spooky for me, Ben. I'm not sure what to do. Nate's teeth are chattering right now. You can't hear it on the pod, but he is. Okay, what the ghost wins? It's stupid. What really? Say something. Yeah. I mean, and I'm guessing that's just the way to, that they're they're phrasing it. Like, say that you need to come in and sweep the team. Don't. I don't want to. Also, like, I don't want to have to explain to people who are casually watching the baseball playoffs as I kind of force that onto them. The people that are you know around my life, uh, what a ghost one is. Like that. That is so yeah. dumb. Um, now that being said, I do think you know if if if. If I'm sitting there with Tony Clark and Max Scherzer and company right now, and we're like, okay, we're going to have to expand the playoffs to 12 uh, to make this work, to get the the CBT things that we want and, and yada, yada, yada. I can get there with that. I, I think that there needs to be a series, though. Um, I think you just do a flat series, whether it's three games or five, that's fine. Just expand the playoffs a little bit more uh, if we're yeah. going to do that. I don't think any of this this silliness needs to come. And I think as long as the outcome is that winning your division is highly valuable, it's fine. That it, yeah. it, Again, like all with the umbrella of the, if this is a concession that needs to be made to get the deal done and also to get the CBT numbers that they want, then okay. Um, yeah. But specifically, the ghost win is stupid, <laughs> and I hate that. Not to mention terrifying. It is. It's too spooky for me. Too spooky. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. All right. So let's let's move on. Are Do you agree? Straight... You, are Are you agreeing with what I'm saying, or did you yes. just want to hear me rant about how stupid it is? Uh, a little bit. A little bit okay. of column A. A little bit of column yeah. B. Um, yeah. I. I expansions are happening. Let's keep it as simple as possible. Uh, people understand no 14 buy. team, no 16 team. Yeah. Please just 12. People understand buys. People understand home field advantage, yep. all this stuff of like getting to pick who you're playing. Ghost wins. All that feels like it's too much, but yes. all right, let's talk about some Cardinals stuff. We've been talking about baseball uh, broader for like a half an hour now. So um, we're assuming one way or another, there's going to be a spring training. It's, as slowly marching into summer training. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the most fun things about spring is getting to see the young guys, you know, uh, see the guys who we, you know, maybe they're a, a non-roster invitee or uh, maybe they're fighting for, you know, the edges of the roster. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about some of the young players that we're excited about in 2022. Uh, so how do you want to do this, Ben? What, where do we yeah. want to start? I don't know. I'm just going to throw some names at you that I'm excited about that I think have been early, you know, in the news early as, as far as, you know, the, obviously the non-union players are allowed to show up to spring training right now. So we do have a little of baseball activity to talk about. So that's kind of exciting. Um, I yes. think maybe something interesting on the, on the prospect uh, uh, wire or whatever. Um, I think you and I were slacking about this the other day, but Mason Wynn, um, being converted to a full-time shortstop, um, I think it is interesting. I, I do think like it seems like 
the prospect of him doing both was never really a thing that they were interested in. And I do think it makes sense. You know, the kid's obviously unbelievably talented, super twitchy, super fast, got a great arm. Try him out at shortstop. Hopefully he plays well defensively. Hopefully he hits a little bit. And then obviously your backup, if that doesn't work out, you turn him into baby Carlos Martinez or something like that. So I, I, I think while it's way more exciting to be able to root for a guy that's doing both, I think we can be – it seems like the Cardinals see something that they like, right? This isn't just a decision that they're like, eh, whatever. seems yeah. like they like his shortstop play. They want to encourage that, take him to the school of Jose Okendo for a, a spring <laughs> or whatever, and, and hopefully he pops out you know, even better on the other side. Yeah, I you know I think this is something that is actually pretty common. Um, you know, most guys did like everything in their high school team, and then did kind of everything on their college team, and then uh, you know will carry that into some degree of professional ball. Just some of them will do it for longer than others. And Mason Wynn is someone who managed to carry that ability to be a pitcher and a position player for longer than most. And because of I think like the specter of Shohei Otani and his success you know you you have the like back of your mind like is there gonna be like another guy who can do this uh and do it even at a a percentage of what Otani was able to do and has been able to do you know and so having someone on the Cardinals that like made it as a two-way player deeper than most do you know you're like hell yeah here he comes and then the selection of just be a shortstop can feel bad but it is actually like you said it's what most it's what most guys go through. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm excited. He's he's very toolsy, and uh, you know it'll be interesting to see what he's able to do um, on the more uh, immediate front. Because you know we're not expecting win in the majors for several years. Uh, I am on Team Gorman break camp with the Cardinals. Yeah. Uh, you know we talked about the DH opportunity earlier. Um, he's obviously been doing work at second base. I think both of us are not necessarily long-term Edmund fans. I, I really like, you know, he what he did last year was compelling. 30 stolen bases is is super rare and valuable. But, um, you know, Gorman projects as a more long-term hitter in the major leagues. And if he can even play a serviceable second base, I could see him uh, taking Edmund's job. But, like, having that DH should give him those at-bats that we want him to get and further his development because it sure doesn't seem like there's much more for him to prove in the minors. No, and I think, you know, we're just talking about working with Jose Okendo, Gorman spinning, you know. I think it was reported that he, re- he he went down to spring training at like January 13th or something like that. And it's just yeah. been in uh, Okendo's ear the entire time, which is, you know, I think really encouraging for, I mean, we, we've all been watching Okendo do this to, to players our entire lives, right? Like you, yeah. you have to, I'm going to believe it's going to happen until I see it doesn't. Um, back to the Edmund point. I think Edmund has done extremely well being a bridgy gappy player. I think he is uh, definitely earns a spot on the 26 man. Uh, like he, he should be a Cardinal. He should be a major leaguer, but not necessarily a guy that's playing every single day. Yeah. And there is tremendous, I mean, Every team in baseball wishes that they had somebody who could play second, third, short, and all three outfield positions and be a switch hitter. Not to mention he's one of the faster guys in the league. Like, absolutely has a place on the roster. It makes sense to keep him on the roster. does not make sense having him start. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised if multiple people get looks at second base or they kind of do some finagling with the lineup to 
kind of make that happen a little bit more. Maybe he starts in center one day, maybe he starts a second one day, left the next day, whatever. Um, and have try to give some of these younger guys, specifically Gorman time there. Um, but yeah, back to, back to the excite train. Yeah, I'm with you. Let's go Gorman. Um, second base is also, I think like the defense there, they clearly made a decision that it's less valuable moving away from Colton Wong. Um, you have a great defensive yes, shortstop. Yes, except for Edmund just won a gold glove, you know, so sure. it's not like he was uh, any slouch there no, either. You know? No, and that, sh- that should be very clear. Did the Cardinals know that was going to happen? I don't think they did. I think everyone the 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 gamble on Edmund was that he could be he could be as good as Wong, just maybe not as flashy, yeah. and he will probably be a better hitter. Um, now, whether he was a better hitter or not, you know that's yeah. harder to say. But he was definitely, I think, as good as Wong uh, at at second. He looked yeah. great. He's just, you know, he doesn't have as much fun every single day he's playing <laughs> as as Colton Wong does. You know. But I guess what I was trying to get at, the gamble of retracting defense at second base for the Cardinals and adding a left-handed thumper, super simple math for me. That makes all the sense in the world. Give the kid as many ABs as you can afford. Hopefully he cranks 25-plus bombs, and we're all buying Gorman jerseys in in midsummer. I don't know. That's right. Um, Yeah, I I think so as well. There's no – I I can't imagine he won't break camp with the Cardinals unless spring is just terrible or they decide to do some sort of service time bullshit. But uh, so far we haven't seen the Cardinals do that as obviously as some of the other teams. Um, The other guy that I am really hyped for, and we're really hitting the – the you know, no – these are not new names to anyone. I I totally know that. Are you going to say Walker? No, no. Well, okay. of course. I mean, of course, I'm excited about Walker. <laughs> Apparently, seen... he, he put on a show this morning. Yeah, have you training. seen that? You see that footy? Maybe oh, yeah. he's looking. Yeah, I mean, it's insane. I, of course, but I what be I was going to best friend. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I've been I've been um, you know calling random places down in Jupiter, just trying to get connected with him. Um, and so far, no good. But um, I've just been texting phone numbers just to yeah. hope that it it lands. Well, yeah. We'll hit. We'll hit. Um, Are you Jordan Walker? (laughs) (laughs) I'm a 33 year old that wants to get to know you. Uh, Hi. Um, I like your swing plane. Um, Uh, No, that's so lame. (laughs) That is. Jeez, Juan Yepes. Yes. Yeah. Coming out of nowhere. How have we not 20... talked about him yet? Yeah. Juan yeah. Yepes, let's go. Here's what I think. Here's my optimal uh, situation for 2022. Breaking camp with uh, Edmund and Gorman splitting time at second base. I understand that Edmund will probably be maybe 75-25, 60-40, um, but Gorman is getting daily looks or, or weekly looks at second base. And when he's not at second base, he's at DH. And when Gorman is at second base, Yepes is at DH and is getting, you know, a half a season, if not more, at bats uh, at DH. And then, you know, it's not common, but Goldie's going to need days off. That's where Yepes gets in there. Um, Arenado's going to need days off. You get Gorman over to third. You get Edmund at second, and you get Yepes at DH. You know, we we basically have Gorman and Yepes filling in 
the corner outfield spots with Gorman also doing second base and them being your daily DH outside of random days where guys need rest. Uh, and both Gorman and Yepes ending somewhere with 350 to 400 or so mm-hmm. at-bats on the season. And that would give us enough of a look to know was Yepes's breakout last year, was that is that real? Or is that like a fluky quad A style season? It doesn't look like that to me, but you know, these sort of pop up guys happen, and you know, there was just a flash in the pan. I don't think he is. I'm very excited, but I think you got to get him in the lineup ASAP, and we've got to find out because yeah. what he looked like last year was a future star. Yeah, yeah, and I think he he played a, he played well enough that it, it just makes sense. Like you you just have to try it, and you have to let it play out a little bit or or else you'll kind of run into a situation that we were talking about last week with like a Randy Rose Rainer or something like that. Right. He's played to the level where he deserves a shot and maybe a couple extra shots. Yeah. Um, give and, it a and they don't look. need to, yeah, they don't need to overextend themselves on him, but give him enough uh, of a runway to do it. And I think it kind of speaks to like, we just don't know what happened in the COVID spring training or COVID uh, minor league season since it was right. all, you know, kind of locked down. They were playing the same pitchers over and over again. But it seems like, you know, there's maybe one or two guys per organization. It was really, really beneficial for a handful of players. And I think that's kind of the the road that I'm looking at for Yepes right now is that he spent that time as wisely as possible and a different player has come out. Um, so, yeah, I'm – I know it's 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 easy to have these rose colored glasses this early, right. but after we I are, mean, what what did he put up? Four hundred, five hundred at bats last year of really really great baseball, yeah. and and his hard hit rates, and I mean everything. Uh, yeah, he he had what you want them to have before they make the next step. Right. Yeah, and obviously, as you just said, this is a Cardinal podcast, and uh, you're not hearing a lot of Cardinal fans out there going right now like, "Eh, Yepes is a bust," you yeah. know. Um, but I I do think. Uh, I think the answer is what you said. It's, it's time. He needs the shot. We need to see it. And I think the DH is exactly that, that right time. Like to me, like Gorman is a guy who is probably going to be a major leaguer for the next like 15 years. Even if he struggles at the start, like he's going, he's, he has that more classic um, ramp up of, of skills and, and, uh, and progression and whatnot. Um, but Yepes feels to me like he's either going to be like a masher next year or he's mm-hmm. going to be, or he's going to be like out of the league in two years. You know, it's, it's one or of those he'll things. He'll be that, Japan's next great hitter. <laughs> yeah. Is he, yeah. is it a pop-up prospect who, who just had a, a hot season or is he like the real deal? Um, you know, I really don't want to put that on anyone that they're either <laughs> going to be a star or a bust, you know, but like, I don't know. I just get that feeling from, from, sure. uh, from, from him. So. Uh, how about you? Who are we missing? Yeah, um, two people I want to talk about really quick, and then we can and move on. Um, I'm throwing out Alec Burleson as my yeah. my he, the guy who's going to win spring training. Um, I think he's going to come in. I think he's going to force himself to be with the big league club for longer than everyone expects. I'm not sure if he's ripping the bat out of Newt Bar's hand. He's definitely not ripping the bat out of uh, any of the other uh, outfielders' hands, but. I think that he's going to come in, have a great showing, impress a lot of people, and I would not be surprised if he gets a lot of at-bats in the big leagues this year. Um, but obviously he's got to go have a really good spring training first. Um, yeah. Also a guy, uh, a former two-way guy. Now, I, he was kind of a soft-tossing lefty, but uh, 
that left-handed swing is super smooth. I think the comp that I saw uh, most recently was uh, Lance Berkman. Um, kind of, you know, uh, yeah. shl- schlubby guy, smooth left-handed swing, although, you know, Burleson's not a switch hitter. Um, but, you know, comparing any Cardinals prospect to Lance Berkman is great. Uh <laughs> Not his, not so much his off the field life, but his on the field life. I want to be clear about that, and I'm not going to get more into that. But I do want to be clear. <laughs> we just don't agree on a lot. Yeah. Um, and I'm also going to say this right now, Nate. And I, I really like this guy. Um, and he's got a bad rap, I think, in the past two years. It just hasn't gone his way. But I think Johan Oviedo has the goods. I, I like I, it. I agree completely. The fastball is huge. The breaking ball is great. The changeup's great. I like. I like everything about it. I like his intensity. I just like watching him pitch. He just needs to figure it out a little bit more. I would not be surprised if we see Johan take that next step. I, I'm excited to see not only his spring training, but I, I'm almost assured that he's going to have some major league uh, time this year, kind of bouncing back from his rough year last year. Um, but I got high expectations for him. Well, I think it's pretty telling that when shit really started to fall apart for the Cardinals rotation and pitching staff in general, like he was a guy that the organization kept going to despite his uh, outcomes at the major league level. It felt like they were picking him kind of out of nowhere, like why mm-hmm. him over some of these other guys? And I think um, what you're talking about is that that you can tell there is a raw talent to him. And it was a bit of a gamble that like, you know, if we pull this guy way too soon, maybe we'll catch lightning in a bottle, as they say, and he'll click and he'll be great. Or, you know, the most likely thing, which is ultimately what happened, is that he, you know, he he, he went too quickly into the majors. Yeah. And, and, and that is so challenging for anyone, but especially a pitcher um, and a young pitcher. Like, I, 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 am, I also believe uh, long-term in him. And, uh, and I, I would hope, I hope that he gets good time to develop and he is not uh, once again thrust into a position uh, sooner than he needs to. But I think long term, I'm not certain 2022 yet is is going to be his breakout, but I do believe in the in the future Oviedo breakout. So before we go to our next uh, set of topics, I want to take this moment to call out the show is supported by Patreon. Um, we are really trying to take this show seriously into the next level beyond what we have done in the past. We have a lot of ideas and a lot of things that we want to do it, uh, do with it, um, different types of content. And we really want to build a community uh, around this dumb show. So uh, <laughs> if you like what you are, uh, <laughs> if you if you like what you're listening to and you want to hear more and you want to support it, um, you can Find us on patreon.com slash talking about birds. Uh, supporter at any level uh, gets access to our Discord, uh, which we're just getting going. We'd love to have you in there. We're, we're going to be talking about the games and talking about, uh, you know, whatever uh, as the season goes along. It'll be a good place um, to get you off of Twitter, but still uh, on your phone talking about baseball. Um, so come to the. Uh, Come to the Discord. We've got a bunch of goofy levels in the Patreon that you know I think um, are hopefully appealing if you really want to support the show. But uh, but really, we're just looking to build this community and, and get people on the Discord and get uh, some more uh, momentum around the show. So if you are a Patreon, thank you so much for your early support. We we truly 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 appreciate it. 
Ben, why don't you tell people about our social media and where people can contact us? Yeah, follow us uh, on Twitter at TalkAboutBirds. Um, you know, as the season heats up, I think that, you know, the conversation will continue, but definitely give us a follow there. Uh, we just, uh, started our little Instagram too. So follow us on Instagram at talking about birds. Um, I don't know what we're going to post there, but we're going to have some fun. Maybe I'll just post some Jordan Walker pictures, uh, over and over again, and it'll be my own little kind of project that I'm working on that nobody really nice. needs to be involved in uh if you have any questions comments anything like that if you want to uh, get a question on the show if you just want to tell us that we're doing a bad job whatever it might be you can always email us at talkingaboutbirds at gmail.com um we you know, again we're hell-bent on building a little community we want you to feel like we're a, a big group all talking about baseball you know continuing the conversation online offline and on the show so please reach out um and, and hit us up on those socials all right. Okay. So what we want to talk about now is uh, we're going to do a little bit of prediction. We're going to talk about uh, why 2022 will be the best season in Cardinal mm. history. And then also we're going to talk about why 2022 is going to be a dumpster fire and uh, will be something that we all regret having been a part of. Uh, so which one do you want to start with? Why will the season go well, or why will the season go poorly? I I think I want to be negative today, so I'm going to let you start the, the pie-in-the-sky one, and then maybe I'll rant on the negative one. Okay. 2022 is going to be the best season the Cardinals have had uh, in a long time because the starting rotation is going to stay healthy. Sure. And we're going to see Jack Flaherty. Uh, I'll say top three in Cy Young voting. I'm not going to put that on him that he's going <laughs> to win the Cy Young. But the Jack Flaherty that we have wanted, uh, you know, for the last couple of years, the Jack Flaherty that we saw in the back half of 2019, he's back, baby. Jack is back. And he is, is uh, he is going to be one of the best pitchers in baseball. It's going to be fantastic. He's going to, uh, he's going to be the, Start of the rotation. Wayno's going to keep his magic trick real, going. Real quick, do we for Jack Flaherty? Is Jay Flair? Is that the nickname? Do we like that? Is that it's good? It's fine. Okay, it's fine. Jay Flair. Jay Flair. Do right. you like it? Not really. I was just going to yeah. say it, and then I thought to myself, "That's bad." Yeah. Okay. But, okay. It does. Sorry. It does not roll off the tongue. I'll give you no. that. Um. So the rotation is going to stay healthy. Uh. And be uh, be fantastic. Dakota Hudson, he's going to bounce right back from Tommy John like it never happened. In fact, he's going to be one of those guys where he's better because of it. Oh, wow. They, should, adding, just, they should just give this to these guys right out of the minors. They should just give it to people. Right? So, uh, rotation, solid, stellar. And Carlson is going to take a step forward. What we saw in the back half of 2022 was just the beginning of Carlson's emergence to one of the best outfielders, offensive outfielders in baseball. He's so smooth, and everyone's going to love it. Bader is going to be consistent, mm. and uh, those that that sweet, sweet swing <laughs> that he sells so have hard. Have Yeah, have at thee is going to result <laughs> in uh, 25 home runs. And Ty Ty, our boy Tyler mm. O'Neill, Mr. Canada himself, 
40 home runs, 20-plus stolen bases. Tyler's Put it on the, Twitter. Put it on the board. He'll be back. After yeah. after uh, after he had still, so many home runs, he's going to have to get back on Twitter. For the boys. Uh, he's doing it for the boys. <laughs> Goldie and Arenado, what more do I need to say? Yeah. You know what they're going to do. They're going to do what they've always done. Uh, and this little rotation we're talking about of Gorman, Yepes, Edmund, Sosa, maybe DeYoung, uh, I'm not going to say they're going to, you know, uh, rule the world, but they're going to be the perfect players to sit in between the all-stars that I just explained. And Yachty, you know, he's going to see that that uh, s- smaller base path. It's going to fire him <laughs> up. You know what I mean? Oh, he's, he, he's going to take that as a personal affront. It's a his. personal affront. Yes, yep. I see. Yeah. They changed it. Mm-hmm. They lowered the mound because of Bob Gibson, and they shortened the base paths because of – Yachty or Molina. Yachty. I I don't know if it's been framed that way, that way, but we need to get that to Yachty yeah, or Molina let's somehow. Get, let's get it out there. Um, and uh, the bullpen's going to be great, too. I'm not going to go player by player on that, yeah. but Gallegos, Hicks. Yeah, who's uh, your bullpen go- ace in this scenario? Uh, Gallegos. Okay. I, I'm a big fan of Gallegos. And uh, uh, Reyes and Hicks, wherever they end up, <laughs> This is the biggest statement of all time. Where, wherever they end up, it's gonna be good. Okay, it good, it good. And the Cardinals they're win. They're good. The Cardinals win one hundred and seventeen games. Throw ball hard. Ooh, they throw ball seventeen. Yeah. Okay. So not just tying the record, right? Isn't that the the record's one seventeen? I was thinking it was one sixteen. Oh yeah. Oh, well, that probably would be a good thing. To Whatever do. the record is. They break it. We're talking plus one, baby. There we go. Yep. So that is why the Cardinals are going to be, have the best season of all time. Uh, obviously, you know, that's all extreme perfect outcomes. Yeah. But but the Cardinals are loaded with talent, and it's only going to take a few of these young guys taking a step forward. Carlson, uh, O'Neal repeating, um, you know, any of these guys uh, taking a step up. And Goldie and Arenado and Yachty and these guys who've been around forever just doing what they've always done. And the Cardinals are going to be the best team in the Central and will compete with the best teams in the NL. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's also, you know, uh, I think part of this exercise is just kind of taking a look at the team and seeing what good can happen. Um, If half of that happens, then you have to be pretty excited about the Cardinals in in 2022. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a a, a central lineup of – Carlson, O'Neill, Goldie, Arenado, like if they are all performing, if they are all hitting like they can, that is a you know a murderer's row, if there you will, of, yes. of power and speed, average, everything is in there, you know. And that's not to mention if uh, Sosa is even seventy five percent of what he looked like in the back half of last year, or Gorman or Yepes. Uh, pop like there's so much potential um, for where this team could become really really good um, but you know there's yeah. also some risk there bum, bum, uh, bum. and so uh, you just want me to lash out wildly I do all right so where where does this all go wrong why why How? does 2022 uh, suck and, and I'm gonna try to stay somewhat realistic while also being the worst. Um, yeah. Yadier Molina just loses it. He's yeah. old. K 
can't play anymore. He can't run anymore. He can call a bit of a game, but he can't throw out. He can't move. He looks bad in the box. His bat slow. Horrible year. Paul Goldschmidt, same thing. He's an old man. It's going to catch up to him. The Hall of Fame track that he was on, it's over. He's lost it. The bat's down. His first base play is okay, and he's a bit of a cheerleader. It, it starts and stops there. Tommy Edmond somehow wins the second base job. He hits about 280 with no on-base percentage and steals bases. That's okay. Paul DeYoung is your starting shortstop all year. Continues to hit 190. Maybe he cranks <laughs> 20 bombs. Then when it really starts to get sad, as Nolan Arenado realizes he doesn't actually want to be a Cardinal anymore. This is going to be his final year. He's going to opt out, and he's really just playing, you know, to try to get this year over with because he sees no future in the team. Harrison Bader strikes out 40%. Tyler O'Neill strikes out 40%. And Dylan Carlson gets sent back to down to the minors. Outside of that, the pitching's not going to be healthy. It's going to be the worst team that we've watched in decades. <laughs> And I'm pegging that team at about 55 wins, maybe 60. Holy shit. Well, I'm um, talking about a full tank uh, yeah. with Tommy Edmond being the MVP of the team. Wow. What a depressing outcome. <laughs> um, hey, you know what? I'll just say it, Ben. I hope that doesn't happen. Let right? me be I the first to say. happen, too. Let me be the first to say. Um, no, I, th- I think the, the real vulnerability with the team is exactly what we saw in 2021 is – right now is mats enough to ensure that we don't go through the same bullshit that the starting rotation went through last year. Um, or are we going to have to go and pull some scrap heap pitchers uh, back together and cobble together another bullshit rotation of old dudes? You yeah. know, um, that to me is the most likely path to uh, the team crumbling is yeah, the I- rotation crumbling. I think speaking more real realistically, I agree with that. And I also agree with, we just don't really have a great answer at middle infield right now. And, and that's yeah. why we're going to have spring training and that's going to get figured out. Um, none of those, you know, I, I think Edmundo Sosa, you kind of brought him up and going over yours, no idea what to expect from him next year. Yeah. He put up like three and a half war in less than half a season last year. That's amazing. I don't think he's going to do that again. He'll be somewhere in between there and a, and a below replacement level player, but I have no idea. Um, yeah. The most likely yeah. outcome is that he never exceeds that amount of war or even half of that. Like again, and that right. I, I like him. He's a very fun and exciting player, but three and a half is, you know, that's a lot in that yeah. in a half season. I mean, that's a seven war pace, which is MVP level, you know? So the most likely thing is that he, you know, I think he's always projected at his best is a one to two war player at like peak, you know, um, maybe we're all wrong and maybe he is somebody that will really click and be great. But, uh, you know, that felt like part of the, the devil magic of yeah. last year, which was him coming up and, and, hitting for power and, and every, like it's just, everything came together for him. Everything um, came yeah. together for him until the wild card game. And he got <laughs> pulled in the sixth inning or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the mid, like if Edmund takes a step backwards, De young is what he's basically been for two and a half years now. And Sosa is more what you would expect him to be. And Gorman takes, you know, the standard amount of time for a new player to develop. You know, there's a very good chance that our middle infield is defensively sound, but with Yachty, uh, you know, likely not hitting 13 bombs again or whatever, um, you know, you start to look at a rotate or a, a lineup that even with the DH is pretty dead in the back half. And yeah. then 
if the um, if the rotation suffers any degree of injuries, uh, you know, the whole thing could start to fall apart. Yeah. It'd be basically what happened last year until the 17 game <laughs> win streak. Right. Sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think, and, and you know, we probably say this every year, but this is a very important spring training for the Cardinals. Yeah. Fortunately with the new playoff uh, system, the Cardinals will probably only need to win 65 to 67 <laughs> games to get into the playoffs. So we're going to have a chance. <laughs> then they'll get a, a three game playoff with a, a ghost win and a, hopefully a promise of a bye the week after. Yep. That's how it works. Some bullshit like that, yeah. All right. All right. We're going to wrap up, but before we do, we're going to play uh an- we're going to play another game. Uh, I thought last week went well. I wanted to repeat. I'm going to have, you know, we're going to have other games in the future. Um uh but this is another round of who is this guy? Who is this guy? I'd like to point out how much I crushed it. Also, I'd also like to point out, uh, I was very curious of where my mind was going last time. Edgar Renteria and Rafael Furcal almost came up at the exact same time. We're almost the exact same age. Um, and Edgar Renteria yeah. did play for the Braves. I, I looked at, oh, crap. Now I'm not trusting my memory. My memory. <laughs> I, I thought Renteria was a good guess when you said it. So um, if this is your first time listening, the way this game works is I've got a series of, uh, of stats or clues about a person who has played for the St. Louis Cardinals. They start vague and will get increasingly more obvious with each step. Ben's goal is to guess the player. And he gets one guess after each uh, each round or each, each yeah. fact. And I think it's fair to say, based on playing this game one time, I'm very good at it. <laughs> Okay. Um, well, we'll see. And again, I, did you say that it is a Cardinals player? Did I zone out for a second? It will always be someone okay. who, who, at one point or another, was a, a member of the St. Louis Cardinals. Okay. All right. All okay. Right. All right. And I'm not going to get tricky with you either. They will be a. They will have been on the major league roster, okay. so it won't be anything. No like front of house guys or anything like that. <laughs> or front office. Front of house is a restaurant. Front of, yeah. Can't be somebody that worked at the at the diamond at the ball at ballpark village. <laughs> uh, okay, so <laughs> first clue. This player was born on August eleventh, nineteen eighty six, in Columbus, Georgia, and made their debut with the St. Louis Cardinals in two thousand nine. 1986, Columbus, Georgia, made their debut in 2009. Columbus, Georgia. I'm trying to think. It's it's not Wayno. Wayno's older than that. I know he's from Georgia, um, but I don't think he's from there. Or uh, I'm sure I, I know he he came up earlier than that. Um, but what year did Wayno come in? I'm guessing Wayno was like 2005, 2004, something like that. Oh, he's a Georgia boy. Oh, 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 I think I have this. I think I have this on the first one. Jason Hayward. No, Jason Damn Hayward it. didn't. He did not make his debut with the Cardinals. 
Jason Hayward was a Oh, was a I was brave. just thinking of MLB debut. Okay, so this person debuted with the Cardinals, but yes. not necessarily debuted with baseball. No. Well, no, that so MLB they made debut? their they made their MLB debut with okay. the St. Louis Cardinals in 2009. Shit. Okay. Okay. All right, next well, question. I failed. That's your that's your guess. Yeah. Good guess though. I I I bet Hayward was somewhere around there because he, he yeah, cuz he, he was a his last year of um, service time was in 2015, which is when he was a Cardinal. So uh, he probably did debut in 2009 thereabouts, but um, nope, wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. While this player, too. yeah, I, I could tell. And that's why this <laughs> game is so fun for me too. Yeah. Um, you know, just the crush. I looked it up. Bit. Hayward debuted in 2010. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'll, okay. You can... All right. So this player was, um, Really, the expectations were around his offense, but what he really uh, his only accolades really came for his defense. So in 2012, he led his league in total zone runs, uh, which is an advanced defensive metric in center field. And in 2016, oh. he led his league in uh, TZR. Uh, in left field. Oh, wait. No, I forgot. Okay, he debuted with the Cardinals in 2009. So, d- this is not my guess, but I was thinking Peter Borge- Bor- Bor- Borges. What was the guy's Borges. name? Borges. Borges. Yeah, okay. he started with the Phillies, maybe? or the or He um, was a angel, and then Mike Trout yeah. took his job. That's right. Um, okay. Could you repeat that, please? He led... His league in total zone runs at center field mm-hmm. in uh, 2012, and he led it left field in 2016. Okay, good defensive outfielder. Debuted with the Cardinals in 2009. Continued to be relevant well after that. Um, whether he was a Cardinal or not, I don't know. Oh, wait. Okay, George Boy. Oh, I can't think of if he was this good of a defender or not. Um, I want to ask you so many follow-up questions. <laughs> and I feel like this is probably off, but I think the age is close enough that this guess makes sense. Oh, I just can't think of the timing. Oh, this is frustrating. Okay, I'll just guess. Fine, fuck you. I'm uh, Colby Rasmus. My dude, you got Did it you? in yes. two. <laughs> yes. Yes. Damn, yes. that's good. That's Ooh. good. That, is, that was better than the last one. So uh, I'll go ahead and Man. read Read. He won the, gold uh, gloves, really? No, not gold gloves. He led the league on total oh, zone. Oh, zone runs. Okay, that's yeah. what it was. Okay, sorry. I was like, no, I, he I, never... I felt like uh, that scene in A Beautiful Mind where he's writing on the, uh, the yeah. window, except for like, I'm an idiot. So it's like <laughs> one plus one equals two. All right, so here were my other um, yeah. here were my other uh, hints. Cardinals first round draft pick in two thousand five played with the Cardinals, Toronto, Houston, Rays, and Baltimore. That, so yeah, I, uh, that one, yeah. I, I thought you might get it at that point, especially the first round draft pick. Part. Yeah. Uh, the next one was uh, traded by the St. Louis Cardinals with Trevor Miller, Brian Tallett, and PJ <laughs> Walters. To the Toronto Blue Jays for Octavio Dotel, Edwin Jackson, Corey Patterson, and Mark Zepchinski. 
one of the most famous trades. Yeah. Yep. One of the most like famous trades in, in the last, you know, 30 years of Cardinal history. Right. Hell yeah. Um, and he was this, you know, obviously those other guys, Trevor Miller, Brian Tallett and PJ Walters, you know, Colby was, was the centerpiece of it. Uh, and then my last, uh, uh, my last hint was going to be when he would hit a home run, it was not uncommon for people to tweet a popular cheese with great exuberance. <laughs> uh, that, that Colby Jack. Yeah. I don't know if I would have got that one. That's, <laughs> I've erased that from my memory. What a I, weird guy Colby was. Yeah. I he really is, tried he to used to be weird, right? Yeah. He's like 35 years old. So he's yeah. still, uh, you know, um, I, I tried to come up with a hint that had something to do with like the weird relationship between his dad and the St. Louis Cardinal coaching yeah. staff. Um, but I, I just decided to stick with, uh, you know, mostly mm-hmm. baseball reference stuff. Uh, but yeah, weird player. I mean, part of all of that stuff is what led to him being traded in the first place. Um, besides like the value, it was just, it was, uh, I think you and I were both big Colby Rasmus fans oh, yeah. at, different, at different times. So, um, weird career. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, I, I think you could still argue if, if LaRusse is not the manager, Colby Rasmus would, would have been a longtime Cardinal, but, uh, the way yeah. his career ended up going, it's almost like they dodged a bullet, but he was well, still he, productive. It was very strange. I don't, it's if you remember, a weird player to describe. He retired kind of early for you know his success uh ended up with 20 war on his career which is not yeah. nothing and uh but he retired because he basically said i just don't really want to play baseball anymore which you don't really uh get a lot of from yeah. uh you know major league baseball players uh it, it, you get the picture that like he never really cared about it as much as you know some of his mo- like the majority of his peers this might be completely unfair and we might edit this out of the episode but i always got the idea that he was really just not all like he's just a very dumb person um <laughs> like he was just lacking a certain awareness and like um he just seemed See? thick i remember very specifically an interview um towards the end of his tenure with the cardinals and they're like hey you know you're you're playing with Albert pools one of the best hitters of all time he's like you you've got to be hanging on to every word he says Oh, no, not really. I just kind of go out there and do my own thing. You know, Albert's a good guy. I'm like, well, that that seems off. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was always it was always a strange, strange thing with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. OK, well, uh, I that rule was, back yeah, to the main was, point. I rule. That was another edition of who is this guy? <laughs> Uh, great job. You've gotten it in under in three or less on both of them. So I got to get, I got to get more. I was thinking, you know, I went like Raphael for call, one of the biggest, mm-hmm. you know, most famous players of the Cardinals for, for a while now. So I was like, I'm going to go a step down and go a little more obscure, but Rasmus is still pretty, you know, yeah. well known if you've been a fan like us for a while. So, uh, next time we do this game, which I'm probably going to mix it up here soon, but, uh, yeah. I'm going to hit you with, uh, you know, uh, something a little more obscure. Yeah. Bring so, it all right. Well, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, tell your friends, tell your dad. Uh, we appreciate everyone who listens to this show. Uh, and until next week, uh, we hope there's baseball and work hard for you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.